Hello everybody! I know there was a few people waiting for me to go live so I'm a little bit live and I'll wait for everyone else to hop on. Please say hello once you hop on. As always, I can't see who's watching, only if you say hi. Hi, Lisa. Okay, we'll wait a few minutes for some other people to hop on. How is everyone today? Getting close to Christmas. I hope you all have a bit of a quiet time now and a pen and paper to take some notes. I'm actually sipping on some Rishi Elixir in case anyone's wondering because when I do these group calls the blue light is very inflammatory and very stressful for me so it's hard for me to wind down after these events and classes. So tonight I figured I was going to sip on some Rishi because Rishi actually does wonders in my body to help me unwind as we kind of go through things. Hi Annie. Amanda, hi. I'm good so far. So far so good. Carla, hi. Patiently waiting here for my chocolates from Carla. Leanne, Nicole, hi. Jordan, hi. Drive safe. Janelle, hi. I know Shannon's waiting to hop on, so we'll just wait another minute. I have everything wrote down that I want to discuss tonight because an hour is not a lot of time. As you guys may have established in other calls, I usually go over the hour. And I want to be respectful of everyone's time, including my own, so I have everything wrote down that we're going to discuss, so I hopefully will not diverge, but there's a small chance that I will. Hi, Samantha. Okay. I'm going to tell Shannon that I'm online. Okay. So, we're going to discuss the six fat loss hormones. And what I'm doing tonight is I'm discussing the hormones that we can... Oh, Shannon, I just messaged you. Hi. We're going to discuss the hormones that are more positive that we can influence to increase fat loss and fat burning. So I don't want to discuss cortisol and insulin too much, even though they're going to come up in conversation. We're not going to focus on them. I talk a lot about insulin and cortisol, so we're going to kind of skip over them tonight. Most people are aware of the issues around them. I have lots of posts and podcasts done on them already. So we're going directly for the six fat loss hormones that some of you will have heard of before from me. But we're going to just go into a bit more depth with... So we're going to discuss what the hormone is, what it does, then how can we boost that hormone. So I'm going to try and keep it as uplifted as possible and just give you those directions. So I do hope you have a pen and paper so you can take down the tips. And this is valuable for everyone, regardless if you're trying to lose weight or not. 
you may not now, eventually you might want to, you might have friends or family that could benefit from your notes or the information. So, um, yeah, let's go straight into it. So, uh, the first thing before we go on, this is very important to establish, is that we need to understand, and I, I can't say this enough because people still don't get it. You need to understand that your food and your lifestyle choices, of course, directly influence your hormones. And this goes for your kids and your partners too. So the food we eat gets used for building blocks for hormones, particularly your fat and your protein. But carbs and fibers do play a part too, as does alcohol. So you, we do, we need certain nutrients to make hormones. For example, as we're about to get into, your thyroid hormone needs selenium and iodine. I know some of you watching are very smart and you followed me for a while, so some of this information you know, but there is a lot of people out there that don't connect that their food, their food choices are influencing the results they might get on a blood panel or a thyroid panel. Like what you're seeing there, those numbers, those numbers are directly influenced by the food you're putting in your mouth and your lifestyle choices. Uh, and that's true. It's truer than true. Um, and it seems kind of, well, yeah, I know that. Believe me, a lot of people do not connect the dots to that. They don't. So with that said, we're going to get into the six hormones for fat loss. Now I'm going to try stick to the script that I have and um, you can ask questions at the end or if I see something pop up I'll try and address it. So the first one going to be our thyroid hormone um, and we're going to start with that because the thyroid hormone influences every single cell and tissue in your body. Most people are aware of their thyroid hormones. Studies suggest that every 4 in 13 people has hypothyroidism or some sort of thyroid issue. I would actually gauge it's a little bit more, but people are not getting the diagnosis properly. They're not getting diagnosed on time. And anyway, so the thyroid hormones, they regulate your metabolism, your organ functions. Uh, they pretty much affect every bodily system and function including your heart rate, cholesterol is a big thing around the thyroid, your weight of course, energy, muscle contraction and relaxation, skin and hair texture. Many people notice if they have thyroid issue, their skin quality might be poor or they might start to lose a lot of their hair or their eyebrows. Um, Thyroid is very important for bowel function. So as discussed in the gallbladder event a few weeks ago, that a gallbladder issue can be an early sign of hypothyroidism. Um, low hydrochloric acid is associated with hypothyroidism. Constipation and severe, like chronic constipation, that's a sure sign that there is a thyroid issue there. If there's no other damage being caused, there could be a thyroid issue for sure. Um, issues with your menstrual cycle, heavy bleeding, that can be associated with thyroid issues. Your mood, mental health is big for thyroid. Um, and there's lots more. And actually, in regards to the mood, it was only a couple of decades ago that practitioners were, were prescribing 
thyroid hormone for people with depression. That was before SSRIs or selective selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors were um, became the norm. So they used to actually use thyroid hormone to treat people that had depression. So there's a huge connection there that people I'm hoping are going to take away from this class that, hey, maybe there is something more going on. Um, so then your thyroid hormones, what did they do in regards to helping with metabolism? Well, thyroid hormone, it increases your heart rate and your workload by increasing the number and force of heart contractions, along with dilating um, the blood vessels. So that's going to help blood flow overall to not just your organs, but to all your tissues, to your muscle, and encourage circulation, which also helps with detoxification, especially if you're breaking down fat cells or we're looking at maybe cellulite, we want to have good circulation there. So your thyroid does regulate your metabolism. Research shows us that patients with slower thyroid or thyroid glands before I go on, your thyroid glands are about here, just like a little bow around your Adam's apple. And it's it can be a bow or a butterfly. So this is around the area where your thyroid will sit. So studies show that people that have underactive thyroids or thyroid glands that are not performing optimally, they're found to have a lower basal metabolic rate. So your basal metabolic rate is... Basically, your basic energy expenditure. If you're resting, how many calories are you burning at rest? The lower that is, the shitter that is, to be honest. Um, so the higher your basal metabolic rate means that even if you're not moving, when you're sleeping or when you're resting, you're burning more calories. I spoke about this a while ago. Um, I did a Post just asking people, how many calories do you think you burn when you're asleep? On average, over eight hours of sleep, most people are burning 300 to 350 calories. Like, that's not a lot. So obviously, we would like to optimize that. I have tracked my calorie expenditure over the night between eight to nine hours because that's usually what I get and I am in around the 550 range to 600 range which is good which is quite good um and that I put that down to my muscle and kind of the little hacks going to bed a bit hungry all that sort of stuff um but anyway, your thyroid influences that. So these researchers found that people that have lower thyroid hormone, regardless of what energy they're burning through activities during the day, on their resting, so their basal metabolic rate, that, that was just lower and therefore they had issue dropping the stubborn pounds or any extra weight. So your thyroid hormone also regulates your ability to metabolize proteins and fats and carbohydrates. So the better your thyroid hormones, the better you're going to be breaking down your nutrition, um, especially protein, which is going to help with muscle and tissue regeneration uh, and ultimately increase your energy over time. Thyroid is also important for the breakdown and the utilization of carbohydrates, and we're going to get into that because there's, I always notice some confusion around the thyroid hormone. So people with lower suboptimal thyroid hormones, they tend to experience 
cholesterol issues and that can be many reasons that can be they're not flushing out or metabolizing the fat and the sugar as they're eating it but also because gallbladder like I mentioned gallbladder issues that's our primary way for breaking down fat and managing cholesterol and the gallbladder issue can be an early indication that you have hypothyroidism so a lot of people maybe get their gallbladder removed not knowing they had hypothyroidism and then all of a sudden you don't have the gallbladder breaking down these fats and you don't have the extra bile support and then generally when we think of the thyroid it slows everything down so it slows your metabolism down it slows your brain your cognitive performance down it slows digestion down it slows everything down and that's where if you connect the dots if you have slower bile flow and slower detoxification and digestion you're going to have these bile issues and that can be indicative that there was a thyroid issue there anyway so um I think you're going to get in the gist that your thyroid hormone is pretty important for your body and your body weight and your health overall um there's one other thing and there's many studies to support this that insulin resistance is also connected to hypothyroidism and I would say vice versa as well hypothyroidism drives insulin resistance insulin resistance drives hypothyroidism if we get into the nutrition part of it but there was a study in June 2015 that was published in the medical science monitor that showed the better your thyroid status then the lower your um, cravings were and you had less blood sugar issues and you had an easier time burning fat so um, it's also important to note and I've said this many times and I've posted the studies but people still don't I don't know if they don't want to believe it or they just don't get it but this is true that when we reduce our calories and even our carbs too much we do impede thyroid conversion and our ability to make T3 so it is important that you do have even a cheat meal or a refeed meal once a week you need carbohydrates to convert T4 into T3 it's really common that you see people who go low carb or low calorie for long periods of time they start to reduce their thyroid hormone and everything just starts to slow down it's unfortunate but it's true and unfortunately again women are more sensitive to that than men this is why men can do better with fasting and um, keto and even carnivore way better than women can and even if a woman feels great doing this chances are she's going to have some issues and those issues can even start to crop up at that six week mark of doing say very low carb and not having a cheat meal anywhere so everything has a reason as I say so it's important that you are aware that you could be not on purpose but accidentally slowing down your own thyroid production and your own metabolism not on purpose by accident thinking I need to keep cutting calories or I need to eliminate carbs it's the only way I'm going to lose weight but maybe it's doing the opposite um, I think I've used the analogy a couple of times that 
people cook calories so much and they're not seeing results so then they cut it even more so now you're living off maybe 800 calories a day and you plateau and you can't lose any more weight and then what do you do so you cut your calories to 500 now you're living off 500 calories well you can't go much lower than that before you die so this is important this stuff is really important because people women especially we're we're terrible like we do drastic things cutting calories and restricting certain foods and stuff so um we do need to have a balance but how can we help your thyroid so when we look at the foods that we we obviously know that proper nutrition is important for thyroid so i just mentioned like make sure you're having at least one cheat meal uh once a week or even just bumping your carbs somewhere along the line or a refeed meal just make sure you're getting that so that you're getting that conversion happening um, and then we look at okay what are the three molecules that make up a thyroid hormone so there's three molecules we have tyrosine we have iodine and we have selenium so tyrosine I really hope you're taking notes here because even if you don't have a thyroid issue you probably have a thyroid issue I think nowadays most of us do it's just society it's just the way we live we all need to be aware of this so tyrosine is our first that's our t tyrosine is used to make thyroid hormones so we get tyrosine from almonds avocado our animal meats and animal products are very high in tyrosine pumpkin seeds which many of you love and sesame seeds then iodine we get iodine from our seafood especially our kelp and then you can get a topical iodine like i've spoken about um and you can take sublingual sublingual iodines as well you just have to be controlled with your measurements and most people nowadays are deficient in iodine i speak to a lot of people that will not go near seafood at all and i'm not going to force anyone everyone has their reasons but it's a lot of people so there we know there's a lot of iodine deficiencies out there and iodized salt doesn't count by the way because someone's going to ask that will not help with your iodine in fact sometimes that can cause more problems um so um then next so we've got our tyrosine we've got our iodine and we've got our selenium is next and selenium many of you are really smart and you'll know that we get selenium from our organic brazil nuts but you you really don't want to go over three to four brazil nuts a day because there is a thing as too much selenium or selenium toxicity um you'll also get selenium from your nutritional yeast which Carla, I know you love. You can get nutritional yeast on kale chips. Kale has a little bit of iodine in it as well. Um, brewer's yeast as well. Uh, shellfish and some vegetables like garlic, onions, mushrooms, broccoli, tomatoes have a little bit and radishes. So you can get selenium there. Like the easiest thing when I'm trying to boost, when I think someone has a thyroid issue, I'm straight in there with three or four Brazil nuts. Um, and you can get some supplements and you're looking for selenomethionine if you were looking at it, but watch your doses as well. Now Foods makes a really good N-acetylcysteine supplement. I really like it. 
because that's going to help with your detoxification issues and liver issues which are common with thyroid and they also have selenomethionine or selenium in that supplement so i really like that and it's it's affordable it's not expensive so habits that help with the thyroid are of course going to be your sleep sleep is number one uh, exercise good stress stress management which is easier said than done um which is why i have my reishi tea now because even though i'm not stressed talking to you guys but the led the blue lights that that's stressful and thinking like teaching can be stressful because your mind is go 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 um so i can already feel like the lights and all are starting to inflame me so stress management on every level just stacking conditions in your favor and making sure that you practice self-care and have some downtime to yourself still so many women are not doing it or maybe they're squeezing in five or ten minutes to themselves a day um so that's our first hormone that's our thyroid we could talk forever about the thyroid, but I want to make use of our times and just get to the important parts. So thyroid hormone is our number one fat loss hormone. We've learned the importance there. We've learned some things that can um, affect it. We've learned the foods, and I'm only giving you a short amount of things to do because too many is too many options. So just go for that quicker, lower hanging fruit first. So the next hormone, uh, some of you may or may not be surprised, Hi Shelly, the next one is adrenaline and I actually like adrenaline, I'm always aware of my own adrenaline, I am adrenaline dominant um, but that's not a good thing but um, I do have a lot of awareness around my adrenaline. So most people have heard of adrenaline and the downsides of adrenaline and I have actually mentioned adrenaline dominance to people before and recommended the book same title it's called adrenaline dominance it's very eye-opening it's a good book um you can get on amazon um so adrenaline can be bad but it can also be good just like cortisol can be good or bad so when you have a short firstly adrenaline is made from your adrenal glands in case anyone didn't know so the adrenal glands are sitting on top of your kidneys and they make adrenaline and cortisol and they keep you alive basically so adrenaline is pumped out from your adrenal glands during times of stress and it helps to keep you alive whatever the issue is but too much adrenaline is going to be a problem because then it's going to contribute to what we would call adrenal fatigue and you start to see insomnia and low motivation loss of stamina mood issues weepiness uh, you can even see allergy symptoms brain fog blood sugar imbalances are big with adrenal fatigue by the way in case you didn't know um, cravings a weakened immunity but it's not all bad in the right amounts in good bursts so it's not chronic adrenaline where you're chronically stressed and chronically getting cortisol and adrenaline pumped out when you're getting these short bursts of adrenaline that can be really good they can have a real metabolic and positive hormonal effect so um adrenaline in the right amounts is very useful for supporting fat loss because it causes the body to free up any fat 
or sugar or glycogen in your muscles or in your tissues, providing you with like that burst of energy while preserving your own muscle. Um, so when we get these bursts of adrenaline from, let's say, doing a very heavy chest press or doing a sprint or something, it then causes the body to break down the sugars, the energy that we have stored. And it's not like when we break down sugar from the liver, like liver glycogen, that glycogen generally is what where a lot of problems. This glucose that we break down with adrenaline, it stays within the bloodstream, but it's shuttled throughout the body to use it as energy. So basically what you're seeing is when you have these short bouts of adrenaline, you're taking, I've spoke about this on refeed days, you're taking stored fat and sugar from your muscle tissues, you're shuttling it out to be used for energy, so you're using your own energy, your body fat, any glycogen you have stored in your tissues, adrenaline helps you use that for energy yourself, obviously you want to do that. So one instance, one example of that would be if you were doing a fasted workout in the morning, you have no food in you. You have no energy to fuel that workout. So the adrenaline is going to force your body to tap into your own sugar and fat stores and you start burning your own fat. And there's some foods and stuff that can help um, give you beneficial bouts of adrenaline. And you do have to be careful because a lot of us are running on adrenaline and stress nowadays. So uh, the amounts of these foods you want to be conscious of, but they can be helpful. So coffee being one or caffeinated teas, including green tea, they can help with adrenaline. Citrus fruits, believe it or not, have been shown to help give you a boost of adrenaline. Dark chocolate, not just because of the caffeine, but also the polyphenols can help with adrenaline. And so can regular chocolate too. Um, and vanilla. Vanilla has been shown to help with um, adrenaline. So if you can get, I know Zazu Bean actually do a good dark chocolate with vanilla, crushed vanilla pods I think in it. Anyway, and then also your essential fatty acids that you would get from the like of krill oil. I did a very good video a few weeks back, it's on my YouTube channel on why I prefer krill oil over fish oil, so check that out if you haven't already. So krill oil and your B vitamins that we get from our animal meats, especially red meat, helps with adrenaline. And then we have um, exercise, as I mentioned, particularly weightlifting, especially heavy weightlifting and sprinting. So not running, no runs, no long endurance. Cardio is not gonna be beneficial for adrenaline. That's actually going to do the opposite sprinting though or even circuit training or weightlifting where you're really giving it your full power uh, that can be helped so there was a study in uh, medicine and science and sports and exercise in 2005 where researchers found that a group of test subjects who worked out continuously with no rest between exercises had a greater increase in adrenaline and noradrenaline, which is just a milder form of adrenaline during their workouts. Uh, they also got greater muscle gains after 12 weeks because the adrenaline was preserving the muscles, uh, wasn't breaking down the muscles, uh, than those who rested between exercises. And 
This is something I'm conscious when I work out, try to just go to the next exercise or the next, or I'll do supersets or um, pyramid workouts where you're doing three exercises at a time and then three. And try not to take too much of a break. It will get your heart rate up as well. And the more you exhale, the more you're burning fat too. Um, that can get complicated. But in this scenario for adrenaline, we're really looking at the likes of sprinting or circuit training or um, power weights, like lifting heavy but fast as well, um, in a safe way. Uh, and there is another supplement that is called synephrine, which has good research behind it. It's, it's a polyphenol of sorts, um, and it's been shown to stimulate adrenaline. If you do want more information around that, you can ask me, but I think like you, you've got your dark chocolate, your green tea, your coffee, vanilla, like we're pretty good to go with what we have. So that was number two. The next one, is kind of it's one but we're going to relate to another one too so dha and we're going to talk about testosterone as well because they very much go hand in hand dha hi nicole hi jeanette uh, a few of you are going to be interested to hear about dha it's quite important so many of you will have heard of me talking about the pregnenolone steel or the cortisol steel and this very much relates to what we're going to discuss now with DHEA which is a long in long terms it's dihydroepiandrosterone and it is a precursor to our sex hormones including estrogen and testosterone. So before we go on, let's just look a bit at the pregnenolone steel, or I call it the cortisol steel because I think it's easier for people to remember that way. So when you eat fat, so cholesterol is the building block of hormones, including your vitamin D synthesis. So you eat some sort of fat, and that comes into your body, gets converted to cholesterol, and that has to go either left or right. This is in simple terms. My right, which is your left, my right is the good path that we want our cholesterol to go down. So that cholesterol then is the building blocks for DHEA and our sex hormones if it goes down the right path. And if it goes down the left path, which is your right, if your cholesterol goes down the left path, it goes down then to make more cortisol and adrenaline and our other stress hormones. There's a couple of more. So when we consume fat, we really do want it going down the right path to make all our sex hormones. But if we have a very stressed life and we're chronically in that stressed, wound up, anxiety, adrenaline state all the time, then when we take that fat in, cortisol steals it. It steals it down the left path because you're, you're basically in survival mode and survival's always going to win. It, survival will win over willpower any day of the week. So if you're chronically in this stress state and have a very stressed job and relationship and kids demands and traveling and just all of that, so much to think of, especially Christmas and shopping and everything, then you're having the fat and it's been stolen. So that's the cortisol steal. Cortisol is taking it to make more stress hormones to keep you alive, basically. So then 
you're not getting any fat, you're not getting any building blocks to make your sex hormones, you're not getting building blocks to make your DHEA or your estrogen or your testosterone and even if you're getting a little bit, you're not getting enough to make them in the right levels and maybe something else is interfering with ratios there. So it's important to understand that before we go on. So DHEA, this hormone with the long name, it has an equally long list of benefits that many people may probably don't know about. Not a lot of people even know about DHEA. Um, so some of the benefits include immune support, so keeping you healthy and strong and resilient, especially when faced with cold and flu season or viruses. Um, DHEA helps with improving sleep quality and it counteracts the negative effects of cortisol. It also influences your ability to lose fat and gain muscle while boosting your libido and helping us just feel motivated and energetic and full of vitality overall. Like DHEA is important for that. So for all of these reasons, many in the health industry, in the researching world, they will refer to DHEA as one of the anti-aging hormones. But unfortunately, it can naturally, I say can because I don't want to put everyone in the same bucket. Some people have excellent genetics and resiliency, but it generally declines with age and then stress is going to obviously deplete DHEA because again, you're not going to make it if you have a lot of stress and then illness illness is a stressor too. So keeping your DHEA in a good range offers like a whole host of benefits from your brain to your bone to your body composition. Um, and before anyone asks, you can get it measured. You can get your DHEA measured either in blood or saliva. Saliva can be a bit more accurate. That would be the likes of a Dutch test. But I'm all I'm happy to see it on a blood panel too at all just to give me some sort of idea of what's going on. So some tips to boost your DHEA. Managing stress is going to be one. Again, easier said than done. I know that, but we can we can try our best. We can have some reishi, we can have an Epsom salt bath. We can use incandescent lights in the evening, classical music. There's stuff we can do. Um, then um, you can meditate if that's your thing. I like to go for walks. I call it my walking meditation, but you can meditate. Then exercise again, especially strength training and weightlifting has been shown to stimulate DHEA and increase DHEA levels. Having sex regularly, especially having orgasms, has been shown to help with DHEA. Sleep is very, very important when it comes to DHEA. There are so many reasons why I say sleep is number one. So sleep is important because it offsets the adrenaline and cortisol and helps then to basically regenerate your adrenal glands. So sleep is so powerful that Good quality sleep has the power to push down adrenaline and cortisol and bring you back to homeostasis or normal levels. Um, and then you have supplement options. You can buy a DHEA supplement, but it's not available over the counter in Canada. So there are people who will order it up from the States or bring it up from the States and the range is 
typically range from 5 to 25 milligrams once or twice a day, depending on the individual. Your practice, <coughs> excuse me, your health practitioner, your family doctor, and naturopath, they can prescribe you, a functional medicine practitioner, they can dis- prescribe you DHEA if you can't get it shipped up or you can't get it over the border or whatever like that. I'm not saying do stuff you shouldn't do, but there it is an option. You can get a supplemental DHEA. Um, you also then could try Royal Jelly. I did a post about Royal Jelly a while ago. And Royal Jelly is very much... Not many people take Royal Jelly nowadays, but I remember my mom and my aunties, they always used to take Royal Jelly, like when I was a little girl, so that was, what, 25 years ago, I remember seeing them take Royal Jelly, and now I'm kind of understanding the benefits, but it's not very popular, but Royal Jelly has been shown There was a study published in 2012 in the Nutrition Journal, which included a total of 61 healthy volunteers aged 42 to 83 who were randomly divided into a royal jelly group and then a control group. And they had, for a period of six months, the royal jelly group got 3,000 milligrams of royal jelly a day and the other group got a placebo. And the results showed that six months of ingesting royal jelly improved the production of red blood cells, which is very important for immunity, glucose tolerance, mental health, and increased testosterone and DHEA production. So royal jelly is something to consider and there's also benefits around the other sex hormones and skin health and hair health and stuff too. So as I mentioned already with the pregnenolone or the cortisol steal, if we're stealing DHEA, then of course we're going to be dropping our testosterone production levels and low Low testosterone in both sexes, it's a problem. It's not just a problem for men, it's a problem for women as well. It's been linked to depression, obesity, osteoporosis, heart disease, and death in some men has been connected back to low testosterone, believe it or not. So far from what I've said to boost your DHEA, I also want to make sure that you're supporting testosterone levels as well. Um, And there's a few ways we can do it in this group, in the biohacking group, and I can send it on to you if you need it. There's a PDA or an infograph, and it has a list of ways to boost testosterone, like just a list. They're pretty doable. Um, But... The easy things, the low-hanging fruit is sleep. Having sex can help with boosting testosterone. Uh, Women appear to get a testosterone boost from simply cuddling as well as having sex. So if you don't want to have sex, you can just cuddle. Walking in the sun, believe it or not, has been shown to boost testosterone, especially early in the morning and That is part of your morning routine. Um, Having a good balance of protein and carbohydrates in your diet is important for testosterone. Again, we don't want to be going too low with these um, low-carb diets. It's important to have balance. There are some bodybuilders out there that look amazing and they've done keto and all there's always going to be exceptions to the rule but in general carbs are important for supporting good levels of testosterone 
Um, and then this is this is a, it's not a weird one, but it, it's interesting. Being really successful in life and with your career and with sports and competing and just really living a fulfilled life has been shown to help boost testosterone. So be a little bit competitive, even if it's just with your kids and your partner when you're playing board games and that can help with testosterone. And there are some supplements that help with testosterone. Testosterone boosting is obviously quite popular in the gym and bodybuilding world. Um, so you could get bioidentical testosterone, which you can get prescribed from your doctor or a naturopath. Um, you can get others. There's a herb called tribulus. You could try arginine, which is an amino acid, and then zinc, which is a low-hanging fruit, and I've recommended before, especially to teenagers who break out in a lot of acne and stuff. Um, zinc can be very helpful for them there. So zinc is a low-hanging fruit to help can um, inhibit the conversion of testosterone to estrogen, because some people can have quite an imbalance there. That have high testosterone and then they end up with estrogen dominance and it's basically a shit show. So having some zinc can help with that conversion and also can help with um, slowing down the conversion of testosterone into DHT, which is what we see happens with teenagers and why they might get breakouts and stuff. So you want to take 25 milligrams a day of test of uh, zinc, and I generally prefer zinc piclinate, which would be my favorite one, um, to be most effective. So, so far we have gotten our thyroid, we've gotten adrenaline, we've discussed our DHA and testosterone, um, and now we're going to move on to human growth hormone. And human growth hormone, I love talking about human growth hormone. I, I love even just considering human growth hormone. It's such an important hormone to understand, especially if fat loss and health and being your optimal self, being strong and resilient. If that's your goal, you need to be aware of human growth hormone. I did a podcast a couple of months ago about human growth hormone and hormones it's in my podcast list and it's in YouTube. I can't remember what the title of it was, but that was a good interview um, with a natural maker of human growth hormone out of Florida. So check that out. So um, I have also several posts in the biohacking library group about human growth hormone. So human growth hormone or growth hormone as some people refer to it, but I always say the long version. Um, it's released during sleep and when we exercise. And it's essential for your healing and your regeneration and your growth of new tissue, including stem cells, which are very important. Um, but it's just as crucial for fat burning when your body temperature drops, when you go asleep, you get a dump or release, I say dump of human growth hormone, it gets released and then it goes and does its magic helping heal and build tissue and hair, skin, nails and build your immunity and uterine lining and brain cells and like everything, human growth hormone does all of that, including upregulating fat burning. Um, and if we go to bed a little bit hungry, 
where we have a spike in ghrelin, ghrelin then stimulates a bigger dump of human growth hormone. So don't be afraid to feel a little bit hungry going to bed because human growth hormone, it has a short life. So we want to get as much of it as we can in that small window of time so that we can get all these amazing rewards. When it comes to fat loss, human growth hormone also helps us with insulin sensitivity and increases mitochondrial activity and muscle mass. So like the more mitochondria you have, the more active they are, the more fat you're going to burn. So human growth hormone is important. So we, how can we boost human growth hormone? Well, I've already said it's sleep because that's where we get most of our human growth hormone. When we exercise, we do signal a bit of human growth hormone, but most of it's when we sleep. If we go to bed a little bit hungry, we get a bigger dump of human growth hormone. So they're like pretty easy, even though that would seem hard to some people because people don't like to feel hungry. Um, but exercise, all exercise, is a big signaling factor. Along with good nutrition, make sure you're getting enough lean protein because protein can help keep those human growth hormone levels high. And again, if it's only around for a short amount of time, we want to get as much of it as we can into that small window so that we can get as much benefits as we can, as much impact as we can. Um, so uh, avoid stress as much as possible because cortisol actually suppresses human growth hormone. So it's important to manage your daily stress. Uh, have a good wind down or evening routine that reduces cortisol and sets you up for that good dump of human growth hormone while you sleep. So I'm going to give you an example before I go on. Um, I have, today was leg day for me, so I had a hard workout, but I want to reap the rewards of human growth hormone tonight when I go to bed. So I'm going to bed a bit hungry, I haven't had in hours, but the cortisol, the stress response that I'm getting off the lights and the thinking and the teaching, the computer lights, that has my cortisol spiked right now. So if I don't address that, I'm not going to get into my deep regenerative sleep and get my dump of human growth hormone because of the stress. So I have the Rishi tea and I'll also have my Tulsi and ginger tea after this with extra collagen because the glycine in collagen helps to put us into deep sleep and it's a relaxing agent and Tulsi of course many of you know is my favorite adaptogen and then ginger is anti-inflammatory as well so I'm trying my best to stack conditions in my favor before I go to bed so I can get my dump of human growth hormone because right now I'm in build my building phase of my year I'm trying to build more muscle so that I can increase fat burning going into the new year and tonight I'm also uh, actually have my Epsom salt steeping now because I'm going to have an Epsom salt bath which really relaxes me I have it as hot as I can tolerate it so I can activate those heat shock proteins and then I'll do my inversion and then bed so I'm really trying to maximize that output of human growth hormone that I get. So along with having that evening routine, one that helps to reduce cortisol and set you up to get your nice dump of human growth hormone, 
like I just um, said, I haven't eaten in hours, but fasting also encourages human growth hormone. And you have to be balanced with fasting. You've got to watch you're not fasting too much because then it could become a stressor. You have to have a lot of self-awareness around that or work with someone that says, no, these are the signs that you're overdoing it. Let's not do this because then it can cause more issues than good. Um, and also, funnily enough, laughter has been shown to boost human growth hormone in some research. And uh, I'm always saying, like, I only watch funny, entertaining stuff. I do not watch horrors or thrillers or anything like that. Um, and then for food and supplements that help with human growth hormone, well, there is that um, one product that the guy in the interview sells. I, I'm drawing a blank. I can't even think of it right now. Um, but also your protein. Protein is important. So there's not many supplements that can help with human growth hormone um, that you can just go buy in the store. So you're looking at protein. The amino acids are important, collagen, bone broth, and then acetylcarnitine. Acetyl-L-carnitine can be helpful too with human growth hormone. So we have two more to go. Then I'll give you a little summary at the end. So adiponectin, adiponectin is the next one. And this is another hormone I've spoken about a few times in um, podcasts and in my posts. So adiponectin is a hormone and it's produced in our fat cells. And in the right amounts, it can help with decreasing inflammation and it can fuel fat loss. There was actually some interesting studies done on sumo wrestlers and adiponectin. I might mention at the end here. Um, but we generally think of sumo wrestlers as being overweight. But anyway, so I'll tell you that story now. So they did this, they did some research on sumo wrestlers and they were testing for adiponectin levels and they were also testing for visceral fat. So visceral fat being the bad fat that would surround our organs and contribute to cardiovascular issues and fatty liver and all these issues. And what they found in sumo wrestlers, which we would think, well, they're they're very overweight they're going to have a lot of visceral fat and health issues but sumo wrestlers are generally quite healthy believe it or not and this research found that actually sumo wrestlers tended to have no visceral fat at all they had subcutaneous fat so that external fat that we can pinch in our hips and our thighs and they found that part of this was because they had higher levels of adiponectin, which was turning over their fat burning so fast. So they were eating a lot of food to keep the weight on. There is that notion of more mass means you can move more mass. But they had higher levels of adiponectin, so their fat turnover and their energy turnover was very, very high. I just always think of that when I think of adiponectin. I'm like, that's really interesting. So it is an important fat loss hormone. It also helps to improve insulin sensitivity. They kind of go hand in hand. And it's currently being studied as a possible cure for cardiovascular disease and diabetes, as in injecting people with adiponectin could be a cure. So um, all the connections 
And all the research around adiponectin seems to say that it's got nothing but good benefits from all the research. In March 2016, in an issue of the Journal of Molecular Cell Biology, they summarized that adiponectin's benefits from hundreds of studies over the past two decades literally linked it to nothing but good stuff, including improvements in obesity, diabetes, inflammation, arteriosclerosis, cardiovascular issues, and lots more stuff. So if that wasn't enough, adiponectin has also been shown to induce apoptosis, which helps basically apoptosis is programmed cell death. And it's one thing that fasters go after if they're trying if they're fasting, they're looking for apoptosis or autophagy, just all this cellular cleanup to happen to keep their bodies clean and functioning as optimally as possible. Well, apoptosis has been shown to help with, or adiponectin has been shown to help with apoptosis, and this can potentially be beneficial for some cancers as well. And back to the fasting thing, there's some fasts are practiced to help with some kinds of cancers, not all kinds of cancers, but fasting has been shown to help with some types of cancers. So it seems that the higher your adiponectin levels are, the greater your energy expenditure is, you, the greater you get that metabolic turnover. So adiponectin, like with the sumo wrestlers, it increases fatty acid oxidation. So fatty acids being your fats, your fat, your body fat gets broken down and oxidized, burned for energy. And adiponectin does that um, and it helps shuttle that fat into your muscles, which is basically where we want all of our energy to go to. So um, we also see that adiponectin has... Um, in one study, actually, of the University of Cincinnati in 2021, uh, they compared a low-fat diet and a low-carb diet in regards to adiponectin levels. And what they saw was that the low-carb diet yielded higher or better adiponectin levels and then better fat loss. But hold on, before you go jumping into keto and low carb, like I've already mentioned with thyroid and some of the other hormones, you have to be careful with something like that. So you might go low carb alone, but that may not be the solution for everyone because you could then cause other issues with other hormones. So we're really kind of looking for some good balance here. So a few ways that you can boost adiponectin are a good omega-3 supplement, which would be pure krill oil in my opinion, monounsaturated fats, which you, many of you as my clients know that I'm always, I've always said monounsaturated fats is where I want your focus. Two oils, extra virgin, um, extra virgin olive oil, avocado oil. There you go. They've been shown to help boost adiponectin. Blueberries, which many of us eat, they help increase adiponectin and improve adiponectin gene expression. And those of you that are my clients, we've discussed sirtuin genes and blueberries really have a strong impact on all gene expressions. Blueberries are awesome. Tomatoes and tomato juice, especially cooked tomatoes, they can help with adiponectin. 
Coffee, especially before a workout in the morning, can help with adiponectin if you're fasting, if you're fasting. Um, whereas if you're not fasting, the study does show that coffee after a workout can help with um, fat burning. So interesting how that works. Um, and then when we look at supplements, we've got green coffee bean extract, turmeric or curcumin, zinc again, low hanging fruit, green tea. Um, and then there is a supplement from ATP Labs called uh, Adipolytic and ATP Labs. I use a lot of their supplements. They are Canadian based. So if you want to support Canada, you're looking at ATP Labs. And then resveratrol. I love resveratrol. It is one of our sirtuin foods or supplements as well. Resveratrol is found in coffee. It is found a little bit in green tea. It is found in dark chocolate and blueberries. So before we go on to the last hormone, you see a lot of the recommendations that I'm making for each hormone, they're the same, they cross paths. And uh, a lot of the recommendations to be healthy overall, they're kind of the same. Get good sleep, exercise, have your green tea, good quality coffee, lots of polyphenols with our dark chocolate and our blueberries, your green vegetables, good quality meats, and really a good omega-3 supplement. Like that's kind of the general consensus. And with all of these hormones here, I've been repeating myself almost because this is what you do. You go back to what I said in the beginning about what you put in your body influences your hormones. If you have hormone issues, you need to look at what you're putting into your body. Um, so let's move on to the last hormone and then we'll do a quick summary. Let's see, is there any questions so far? No, okay, I must be doing a good job. Okay, so the last hormone and the last of my Rishi the last hormone we have is glucagon. So glucagon is the opposing hormone to insulin. So when we eat sugar or carbs, they get broken down into glucose, uh, which then goes into your bloodstream and then your pancreas releases insulin to take that sugar or that glucose into your cells to either be burned as energy or stored as fat. So my clients, you'll know the bouncer analogy. The bouncer lets the glucose into the cell or he doesn't. Well, glucagon does the opposite. Glucagon raises blood sugar by breaking down stored glycogen and fat in the muscle and the tissues. So we can use it for energy. The same kind of way adiponectin helps with it, with breaking down human growth hormone. These hormones are helping us tap into our own sugar and fat stores so that we can burn them ourselves. Most people don't actually know that we store sugar and fat within our muscles. So glucagon can help release that uh, so that we can use it for energy. When we exercise or consume protein or even if we experience a dip in blood sugars our glucagon will kick in there 
um, by instructing the body to use whatever stores of energy it has, fat or sugar, um, and to use them for fuel. So it basically dumps all of it into our bloodstream so we can use it for fuel rather than storing it. Um, so it's pretty straightforward when it comes to glucagon. Glucagon is inhibited when we have high amounts of sugar or food in our body, food, sugar, insulin, they can inhibit glucagon, but when everything's low, when we're pushing our body to basically use its own fat stores, that's where glucagon comes in or even sugar stores. It can also help with appetite and then of course, if we're helping with insulin resistance and all, it's gonna help with diabetes and cardiovascular issues and fatty liver. Anything really that's associated with insulin resistance, glucagon's gonna help with that. So how can we boost glucagon? Well, you're probably gonna guess again, uh, fasting can help. Allowing yourself to feel a bit hungry, that can boost glucagon and it'll boost human growth hormone. Um, good nutrition habits, managing your blood sugars is gonna help with glucagon. Exercise again, because exercise helps to improve insulin sensitivity and as well, the more muscle mass you have, the more you can store in the muscles and then burn for energy as you need it. Um, and then studies, there were studies involving both human and animal subjects. Uh, they were exercising on a treadmill to exhaustion and they found that they got a rise in glucagon. Now something like this, it, most people are maybe not gonna walk on a treadmill for an hour because it's boring. A lot of people don't have treadmills in their house. But again, you could achieve something like this by an hour walk every day with your dog or your daughter or your partner. And then as for supplements, there's no real supplements to boost glucagon that I'm aware of. Get a good protein powder. I like hydrolyzed um, isolates which are the most hypoallergenic. That seems to help stimulate glucagon. And then as I mentioned, allow yourself to get a little bit hungry and that can be helpful too. Maybe try some fasting. So in summary, those are our six hormones. I hope you've taken notes on the foods and the things you can do, but a lot of you know this stuff already. I just thought it would be interesting to look at these hormones that actually boost fat burning rather than always focus on cortisol and insulin all the time, which are more negative. We want to do stuff that's actually gonna help. So we have our thyroid hormone, which is your metabolic master and influences every cell in your body. With low active thyroid hormone or T3 levels, you basically are going to feel rubbish overall. You're going to have a slower metabolism. You're going to have some depression. You're going to have constipation. You're, you're just going to be slower overall, meaning that you're burning less energy. And again, over-restricting calories, over-restricting carbohydrates, over-training, over-exercising, not sleeping enough, and these are all going to be affecting thyroid levels. And what do I always say? Sleep is number one. You always start with sleep. Then the next one, we have adrenaline. It's got a good and a bad side, but short 
targeted, managed bouts of adrenaline can be great for pushing your body into fat-burning mode. Then we have our DHEA and testosterone. They go hand in hand. They're very important for helping the body keep a strong metabolism, healthy mood, mindset, um, all that good stuff. Anti-aging, pretty much what all of us want. Anti-wrinkles. So uh, then we have number four was our human growth hormone. And I'll actually, once I upload this to YouTube, I'll pop the link off the other interview into the comments or the description for people to find because that other interview was actually pretty good now that I remember it. I can't remember his name though. <laughs> Just drawn a blank. So human growth hormone increases fat burning and is only induced by exercise or sleep, but protein can help. Good protein can help keep your levels high. So can being a bit hungry. The more human growth hormone you have at night when you're asleep, the more fat you burn. I've spoke to many people about we burn most of our fat when we're sleeping, provided you put yourself into the correct environment. Stress, anything that causes stress or stress to the body or that would interfere with sleep, even over exercising, which I am terrible for, um, that can block human growth hormone. Number five was adiponectin, which is the hormone that you release when you're exercising, but also fasting. Fiber, green tea, resveratrol, krill oil can help boost adiponectin levels. And this is why it's important to get fiber at every meal or at least two of your meals a day because maybe you're not exercising but you do want to reap the rewards of this hormone. So you're making sure you're getting your good greens and fibers. You're doing your morning routine, got your green tea. Maybe you're taking some krill oil as well. So um, we really want adiponectin working in our favor because it also helps with inflammation and that insulin sensitivity. And most, many, nearly everyone has some sort of inflammation issues. I even get inflammation at times. And then number six was our glucagon, which is the hormone that works opposite to insulin, helps take sugar or energy from your cells so that you can burn it for energy. So it helps take stores energy and helps you burn it. Protein helps with this and then protein as well helps with reducing appetite, which is why I've said many times and I did a post in the biohacking group last week, eat your protein first. I know sometimes it, you don't want to, but you should. There's many reasons you should eat your protein first. So those were our krill. How much omega-3 oil should we take daily? The krill oil. Um, that, firstly, I hope that was helpful. Those were, you can go back and take notes again. We, I'm always all about stacking conditions in your favor all the time. Everything we do, we want to stack conditions in your favor. Because if you stack conditions in your favor, it just makes everything easier. Even if you've had a bad day. If you started off the day strong, at least you stack conditions in your favor. So when it comes to krill oil, like the baseline that I recommend is a thousand. So there's some considerations with krill oil. It can be expensive. Krill oil can be expensive. So the baseline is a thousand. The research shows us 2,000 a day is where people really see the rewards in regards to cognitive performance, 
memory recall, less wrinkles, better skin, joint health, everything. It is around, it is like the research shows us 2,000 milligrams a day is where it's at. I usually am happy enough to get people around that 1,000, but then I will increase as I see someone needs it. If there's some inflammation going on, I will tell them, let's go up to 2,000. If I see a lot of aches and pains, some joint issues, shoulder issues, hip issues, then I might super dose for a while. So then I'll do 2,000 in the morning and then 2,000 in the evening. There's some other considerations. If people have gallbladder issues, they might have issues taking certain fatty supplements, certain amounts of krill oil, maybe they can only do every other day, your body will tell you. And then if your body tells you and you're working with a health professional, then you can tell the health professional and they should be able to tell you what to do. Um, so yeah, any other questions? I think that was pretty straightforward. Taking notes it tends to keep me on track when I stick to my notes. Otherwise, I'll go off on a tangent. Okay, any more questions before we wrap up? Uh, the DHEA is important, um, I think, for a lot of people. I mean, this all the hormones are important. I do think thyroid hormone is underrated, especially looking at mood issues and constipation and slower metabolism. There's a lot of people out there who are eating on average 800 calories a day and they don't lose weight. That's that's going to be indicative of a obviously a slower metabolism but thyroid issues so in that case you then have to consider some sort of along with the tips i've already given you you definitely want to add in like some brazil nuts and at least iodine if you can but you also might need to look at reverse dieting and i'm going to be doing a video on that over the next few days so some sort of reverse dieting if you're eating very low calorie which is unsustainable and unhealthy so you would look at reverse dieting there excellent awesome lisa janelle great i'm glad you enjoyed it and then if no one else has any more questions, it's important to look at this DHEA um, and trying to boost it as much as you can yourself because once you have any sort of cortisol or pregnenolone still happening and you're not making DHEA and your sex hormones properly, then it's going to throw everything out of whack. If you're not making sex hormones as well and you get a hormone panel done, you can still show as having, say, higher estrogen, even if you're not making sex hormones, because your fat cells can make estrogen as well. It's not just the ovaries or the pituitary. It's all your fat cells can make estrogen. Unfortunately, the fat cells don't really make testosterone or DHEA. Uh, they only make the bad estrogen, too. So you have to understand there's different ways to approach it and some people things like this can be very delicate as well you i try to always go for the lowest hanging fruit first and if that works then amazing um but sometimes it doesn't work and you have to go more extreme angela oh you got on Thank you for watching. Let me know if you have questions. Leanne, thank you. Any more questions? Oh, wait a second. 11-11, the angels are with us. Mm -mm. 
I don't think anyone has any more questions. Well, if you do, pop them in the comments and I will... I will reply to them as soon as I can. Let me just see what the name of that that interview is driving me nuts. Um, that interview about human growth hormone, that was with um, Dustin Baker, human growth hormone, growth factors, sex hormones, sunshine and more. Dustin Baker, that was a good interview. They make um, a natural human growth hormone. It is in the States, but you can get it shipped here. But I know stuff like that can become expensive as well. Anyway, I'm going to let you guys go. I hope you have a very happy Christmas. If I don't talk to you guys before then, which I probably will, but I still want to wish you happy Christmas. Have a good evening. Do your evening routine. Get your sleep. Get your human growth hormone. And I will chat to you guys, most of you, tomorrow. Okay, bye-bye.